Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, shapes, sorts, and sizes. I'm Josh Belcher, host of the Uncharted Podcast. What a great week for podcasting I was fortunate enough to be a part of. This week's podcast, we have the queen of Nashville media, Kelly Sutton herself, graced us with her presence. It was a delight to talk with her. What a sweet young lady she is to deal with. She is one of my idols when it comes to the entertainment industry. She is the sharpshooter. She's the goat here in Nashville. I know if you live locally, you know who Kelly Sutton is, unless you're Amish, blind, and or deaf. Uh, maybe even then, you might know the sweet lady who uh, interviews everybody, and everybody loves her. So that's Kelly Sutton. We got Adel Rafai. He's going to be a part of a uh, podcasting, a comedy podcasting workshop with Third Coast Comedy. Got to talk with him, pick his brain. He's a successful podcaster and is a person who enjoys it, who wouldn't mind being successful at it myself. I'm really uh, glad I'm going to be taking his workshop. You can go to thirdcoastcomedy.com, check all that out. We have country music singing sensation Corey Michael, who calls Middle Tennessee home by way of Odessa, Texas. He's in Texas right now, tearing it up, touring, spreading his music to a brand new fan base, trying to gain some more fans and cater to the ones in the crowd that he already has. It was just great interviews. Everybody had a lot to offer. I learned a lot, and it was just a really, really fun week. Other than that, you know, back to the grind, went on a cool little birthday uh, trip that we mentioned, uh, you know, to through Ohio and Detroit and back. This week it was back to work, wide open. Uh, being a 38-year-old man, <laughs> I did have to go to my, I am at the age where I go to monthly checkups, um, or no, excuse me, I guess it's every three months, but you know the whole shebang where they check your cholesterol, your blood pressure, things I never ever imagined would be concerned about, but the time's here. Uh, and so you may want to know, you may not, but I'm going to tell you, blood pressure is fine. Um, I'm uh, type 1 diabetes where I don't have to take insulin, and I can correct that if I stay away from the sweets and everything that's that I enjoy eating and drinking, like cold drinks, as we call them in the South, Coca-Cola, whatever, sun drops. like fried food, I love sweets. Got a sweet tooth 50 miles Long, but if I cut out everything I enjoy in life, which is uh, not not uh, going to be a fun thing, I can uh, teeter off that. But the, the blood pressure and the levels of whatever they were telling me about everything's looking good on my end. So blessed and happy about that. And then now, just uh, you know, talking to you about this podcast. So I'll quit running my jaws, and we'll get this interview process started. Thank you so much for listening. I surely enjoy doing this podcast, and I appreciate you taking the time because all of the people I get to speak with are very interesting, and they always have something great to offer to the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. So here we go. The podcast is proud to welcome country music singing sensation Corey Michael. It's got a brand new tune, a feel-good anthem, if you will, out called Waste High Water. You can check that out on all media platforms, including his website and social media. 
We talk about what he's got going on right now in his music career. He's headed to Texas to tour, take the place by storm. That's next on the podcast. Corey, like I said, thank you for taking the time to talk on the Uncharted podcast. Um, been a yes, fan, of, been a fan of Cam's for a while. And saw you guys touring together, getting ready to amp up another tour. But uh, saw, I guess you guys got a new monitor, the Roadside Renegades. Can we talk about that? When did you guys decide to bring this uh, to life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Roadside Renegades. We uh, we were um, rolling through Texas last month, and. Uh, we uh, had a private party that we played at and the guy there had an Aston Martin that uh, he's like, Hey, take this thing if you want to. And uh, um, now of course a friend of ours, but uh, anyway, he had, he let us take the Aston Martin. We took a photographer and we were just being funny with the car um, ended up making a, uh, a few uh, decent looking pictures and looked at it and thought, man, this could be something just kind of looking around and ended up writing a song. And uh, now it's, part of the act i guess i hear so, you, right? um yeah man yeah the pictures the pictures look legit and i looked at some of yours that that motorcycle one was pretty nice as well is that your bike i wish that was my bike man we were <laughs> we were traveling the hill country in the big old van um the time machine we were uh <laughs> we were uh we were rolling the hill country man we stopped and tried to get some pictures of this view and uh there happened to be a nice guy over there and he ended up uh having a motorcycle it was brand new said hey man if you guys want to take some pictures on the bike come on and so uh yeah. cam and i both took some pictures on the bike and we had a good old time and posted some stuff but uh man texas was such a good time can't wait to be back here in the next couple of days so yeah texas is a blast but like i said i, I talked to cam on your last go around and saw that you were going again now is it are you from texas where are you from originally I, yes, sir. I'm originally from Texas. I was born in Odessa, Texas, uh, which is oil field country. So you got uh, um, just a bunch of dirt and oil, and uh, I was in the oil field for a while. Um, ended wow. up moving away from there to uh, Decatur, Texas, which is where my parents now live. Um, but uh, then 2017 rolled on to uh, Tennessee, and the rest is history. I hear you. And writing, writing some good uh, catchy tunes, man. You uh, did a song with a pal of mine, old big any waste high water that's a, that's a great little ditty my friend man i appreciate that that uh you know every once in a while you get a fun one out there it's um uh that was a that was kind of an accident i uh i'll tell you how i wrote it it was um, i came back from a write that didn't go so well a, a buddy of mine chad who i've written with before and we've come up with a couple good songs but uh that day i guess i just wasn't feeling it um i'll be the i'll be the um, scapegoat on that one but um, got back home <laughs> got back home and uh, ended up needing film the need to to write something worth something and so um, just sat down with that groove man and started dreaming about where I wish I was <laughs> yeah it's, so, a, it's a great summer feel good song it's too bad this summer and everything else is just bass backwards if you know what I mean tell me about it man we actually have a, a video that I'm getting ready to just drop um you know for nothing else but to have it out there and we might end up pushing it next year but um but yeah man it's this whole pandemic uh thing has uh definitely messed with our plans but you know we got to keep trucking along and uh, keep making music so you know i'm not letting it keep me down and cam's not and you know a lot of our friends here in tennessee aren't so 
I'm blessed to be around all those kind of people like that for sure. Yeah, that's the best way to be, and that's you know, my primary source of comfort is, is, is just getting getting digging into a good song, and I thoroughly enjoyed that one. And uh, I, I just recently uh, I had it on my Spotify, but I actually watched the lyric video uh, right before I called you. Oh yeah. Two things I thoroughly love about it. You're playing a fretless acoustic guitar with nylon <laughs> that I've never seen before, and all your all your party goers are in the water with all their clothes on. Man, you know <laughs> that was uh, I love that lyric video because of that, man. It's uh, so I started uh, having the idea for that thing as uh, this whole thing started back in uh, you know February March, and I thought, man, it's going to be tough to film an actual video, which we actually got done. But you know, beside the point, we uh, I thought, man, it'd be cool to have a, a nice little video for this thing, just to kind of promote it a little bit. So, you know, I spent a little bit of money on a guy on Fiverr, and he came up with this uh, cool little thing, had some edits, and, um, you know, even Big Benny's got his overalls on in there, and, uh, <laughs> man, it's a uh, – I, I dig it, man. I, I was I was happy with it for sure. Yeah, I liked it too. I like that it's a feel-good song, and it, and, and, and the, what I was meaning about this people in the water is that no, there are no groups that complain about that because they're all – clothes so there's no mm. night <laughs> we're just partying having fun <laughs> that's it man that's it you got to uh, be pc everywhere today huh <laughs> that's it but yeah a great song i i love that video yeah it was of course you see big benny and guys cover on that's perfect uh, uh yeah mm. just just great all the way around did a good job with that one um thank you uh let me ask you that with that being said you know in touring and going to texas and everything with everything as crazy as it is do you do you uh how do you feel about doing shows like during the current crisis do you feel safe when you perform is everybody at like a safe distance or how how are you guys performing now man i might catch a lot of flack on this one um uh hopefully not but um the uh, uh i guess playing those shows it's not a um i'm not I mean, i'm just not scared of this this um thing um you know i feel like as uh and don't get me wrong like i don't mind when people wear mat like everybody's got their own choice and for me my choice is to uh not wear the thing and um you know uh just be cautious as i normally would if i ever feel sick or um, am around people that i feel like i could get manner so you know i'm uh cam and i are both very uh attentive to those kind of things and you know hopefully we're not putting anyone in danger, but, uh, the, the shows that we've played in Texas like that, everybody is, uh, um, I think it's, they usually start out socially distanced, <laughs> but they don't end up that way. And that doesn't bother me at all. You know, it's, um, I don't feel like we've contributed to any kind of a spread or anything like that. And, um, you know, Lord willing, we'll keep doing it the same way. So that's it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I agree with you. It's, it's all about our basic freedoms. I'm not a fan of wearing it. If, if I feel like I'm making somebody uncomfortable, like a senior citizen or something, I, I've got one Absolutely. around my neck and I'll, I'll flap it on. But I, I'm with you. we got to live our lives and, and do yep. what we do. It's just uh, hopefully, like Absolutely. God, God willing, it'll it'll come and go. Maybe we'll get something where we can take care of it. But I was just curious, you know, like the kind of music you guys are playing, and you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I'm sure people, you know, they want to dance and socialize and, you know, swing to it and, and enjoy it. And, it just seems mm-hmm. like you can't really be social distance when you're listening to music. You got to tap and you got to be close to somebody. Absolutely, man. I mean, I think that's what music does. It brings people together. It uh, you know invokes all kinds of emotions, and um, it's a uh, you know it's a healer for one. So, um, 
shoot, maybe people are, <laughs> maybe the music's healing people. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if we keep doing our thing, uh, um, you know, just going about our days and, you know, being careful, then we should be able to keep doing it as long as uh, the people in charge say that our freedoms are still here. <laughs> right? You've got to fight for your right to party, don't you? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You've got to fight. <laughs> If you could turn that into a country song, you've done something. <laughs> oh, come on, man! I cover some. I cover some. Uh, three doors down. I cover some. Uh, yeah, and black diggity. Yeah. Um, I try and turn it kind of country-ish. Um, playing acoustic, it's really easy to do that, just because yeah, the acoustic they, guitar already adds that. But yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of bands. You know, a lot of country groups now. Uh, you know, they always throw a rock song in there, one or two, and really just kick it up a notch. So I'm all about that. Um, oh yeah. What message would you give to your text fans as you're heading back out there? Somebody that's coming to enjoy for another round. Man, we're coming for you, baby. It's the, uh, you know, um, still, uh, I guess, look on our website, um, on CoreyMichael.com, on CampusMusic.com, um, on our Instagram pages, uh, in our Facebooks. We'll be some dates that we're going to be around. We're rolling in on the uh, 16th. We have a couple shows on the 17th. Um shows throughout that week and then um a couple decent shows in west texas and then we have some other things going on in the in the hill country so um if we're going to be around your parts we'll be in um you know west texas dallas austin area um then we'd love to see you out there it's definitely a blast whenever we play together cam's style is completely different than mine uh, which brings a cool element to the show we usually switch off um and play uh, you know, two sets of about 45 minutes a piece, um, each. And so I'll play 45, he'll play 45 and then we'll do it again for another round. And, um, and it brings a cool element The people that don't like the, you know, more mainstream feel, which is kind of my, my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, then they usually dig what Cam's doing, which is more of a, um, poetic, uh, Americana type feel. And, um, which, it's funny because Cam and I talk about it all the time. Like I wish that uh, I wish I could write like Cam. He's got um, like a crazy um, mind for just off the wall lyrics and you know stuff that is very um, metaphoric and makes sense. And um, he's got a lot of lyrics that just blow my mind. And um, he says the same about my stuff as far as like melodies and stuff like that go. And um, I think it's a good combination of just um, it's just a good combo. Yeah. No, and it takes all kinds of kinds, you know, and and that's really smart on your part because, I mean, you're going to like a little variety. I mean, you don't want to hammer through the same thing, you know, like you said, 45 minutes in a shot. So it's great to have a varietal because, I mean, you've both got something to offer everybody, so that, that works out real well. And, and you, you said it perfectly. I mean, well put. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, well, you, go ahead. Yeah, what uh, what's uh, I was just, what is your favorite song to perform live? Like, what, what's your which one do you play that the audience just kind of really gravitates towards? Man, uh, you know, Waste High Water has been it uh, this it, past yeah. uh, you know, few months, and mainly because it's out there, I think, and people can listen to it, and uh, you know, a lot of the people kind of know it and have heard it, and so it makes it. Uh, a lot easier to get some crowd interaction. Besides that one, my favorite personally to play is a uh, song that I just wrote, um, and it's called "Trying to Make a Dream Come True." It's a uh, it's probably one of the most lyrically sound songs that I feel like I've written, 
and um you know it's uh it's the latest one i've written so that's all that always takes the cake for me as the latest one i always feel like that's the best that i got <laughs> awesome yeah hey man that's fantastic and, and you know uh in this entry which is a uh, cutthroat unfortunately it's kind of i kind of compare it to being like you know some of these religious folks you see walking down the street if you knock on enough doors you're gonna knock one of them open somebody's gonna let you in that's it man and uh you know that's what we're doing is just kicking some tires and lighting some fires that's it heck yeah there you go <laughs> it sounds fun and like i said I'm, I'm a fan of both of you guys and, and wishing nothing but the best and uh, i'm gonna grab a show and check you guys out here uh one day in franklin or somewhere close by but hey I oh wish yeah man travels and thanks for being on the pod uh, give everybody your social medias one more time and uh so they can know how to get a hold of you yeah man my socials on instagram i'm at cory michael music there is no e in cory so it's just c-o-r-y m-i-c-h-a-e-l music and uh on facebook it's cory michael crew and uh also um on just the web it's corymichael.com so there you can find all the links to all the different socials um you can find show dates and uh that is being updated right now actually show dates are and um anything else that way so um yeah man just uh find me on the web and uh follow us we'll be in texas coming soon i hate gravy and uh one thing I want to compliment you on I like is that some artists, they, their voice sounds just like how they sing, like it's effortless, and you've got one of those voices. Like you can tell, you don't have to strain too much to sing. I've always been jealous of people like you, but good for you. <laughs> well, man, that's a huge compliment. I really appreciate that. That uh, that means a lot. I just try and sing what with what God gave me, and uh, <laughs> I don't even know what that is sometimes. So uh, I appreciate yeah. you saying those kind of words. It was really awesome talking to my next guest on the podcast, Adal Rafai. He's hosting a comedy podcasting workshop for Third Coast Comedy Club on November 7th, 14th, and 21st, all Saturdays starting at 7 p.m. For more information, you can check it out, thirdcoastcomedyclub.com. He and I speak about his extensive career and experience and success in podcasting as well as improv. It was a really fun interview, and I hope you enjoy it. It's next. That's an awesome name. First of all, I looked it up in uh, the the or wherever the origin. It says it means uh, sweet and noble. So I guess you probably already know that. Ooh, I actually <laughs> I had I had been told that it meant like justice. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, that's my dad said like in Arabic it it means justice. Okay. Yeah. This was a this was German. Like I said, I just hit the old mm. Google. And I thought, gotcha. well, I just thought, what a what an interesting name, you know. I like that. I like I like different names. Uh, Sweet and noble. That's gonna be yeah. That's gonna be my first knuckle tattoos. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. That would be great. Well, anyway, um, you know, I found you on Third Coast here in Nashville, and you're doing a, a comedy podcast uh, seminar, I guess, or a, a a workshop on the seventh. But it's more than the seventh. It's a couple of days now. What, what's the deal? It's like you're you're zooming with the class, or, or what's going on with it? Yeah, so it's basically like a podcasting workshop slash intensive. It's going to be November seventh, fourteenth, and twenty first. Um, so it's three Saturdays in November, and each Saturday it's seven p.m. to nine p.m. So it's going to be six total hours. And awesome. basically, what I'm going to be doing is going over. It, it's going to be obviously a few parts. I'm going to be going over the basics of podcasting in terms of like. Here's what you need. Here's what I recommend. Um, I've been in the podcasting business for maybe about five years now. 
Um, so I'm just bringing a, a wealth of experience and a wealth of knowledge. So um, just trying to answer questions, give as much information as I can. And then after that, what I'm going to be doing is working with everyone in the class in terms of coming up, formulating an idea for a show. Because I feel like everyone's sitting on 10 to 20 ideas for a podcast, especially now when we all need like creative outlets in our lives, yeah. uh, especially comedians and improvisers. Yeah. So I'm going to be working, and it doesn't have to be comedians or improvisers. It can be anyone who's interested in starting a podcast. So I don't want to close any doors there. But basically working with everyone to come up with an idea or to fine-tune an idea, and then we're going to be sort of testing them out, kind of putting them up on their feet and just trying to see what that might look like, what that might sound like, and then me giving direction and feedback and, and uh, notes. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm signing up. I'm I'm going to be there. Um, oh, wonderful. Discuss with you prior. I've, I've been at this a little over a year, and I've been pretty fortunate. Um, my uh, premise is not really, you know, reinventing the wheel. I try uh, to get one, being in Nashville, I try to get one musician and, and one comedian uh, in the art form for every podcast. Right now it's been more musicians, but uh, uh-huh. those are both, both my favorite things. I love talking with people that do both of those arts, and I've been pretty fortunate with some folks. And um, I just really enjoy it. Like you said, for me, it keeps me going because uh, I'm not one that likes to, you know, sit and not move. And, and there, you know, there are no concerts to go to, hardly any comedy shows. So, you yeah. know, it's either Amazon, Netflix, or this. <laughs> I just find something <laughs> to do, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think podcasting helps. Uh, like I said, like during during these times, it's like I, I'm an improviser. I'm used to performing live and, and without having that outlet, without being able to be a performer and have like feedback from an audience and, and be an entertainer. It's been really difficult. So I feel like podcasting has been such a, a release um, for me and like such a wonderful sort of endeavor. So I'm very I'm very fortunate that I got into the, the podcasting business before all this. So um, I had some momentum behind it. Yeah, well, your resume is very impressive. I mean, even looking at it in short form there on Third Coast, you've been involved in a lot of a lot of amazing stuff. I mean, uh, kudos to you. I, I saw oh, that you teach at the University of Illinois. You lecture, or what? What? What exactly do you do there? That was impressive to me. Yeah. So three years ago, I was approached by uh, University of Illinois Chicago, and their theater department was looking to because they're in Chicago, and Chicago is known as sort of the mecca for improv. They were looking to expand their theater department to include an in, in improv um, study. So they they tapped me to create the curriculum um, for the course and then teach it. So um, so I'm the only person there teaching improv, and, and I got to create the course myself, which was it's very cool to be able to do that as well. So uh, I've been doing that for three years now, and it's it's uh, fantastic. Like it's It's one of my favorite things I do. I bet that's awesome. Yeah, uh, Second City, right? Is, is that the big thing in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, the big theaters that in Chicago are I.O., Second City. Um, yeah. And then there's a there's also a lot of cool sort of smaller theaters like CIC and the Playground, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, well, let me ask you this from a guy that's, that's very successful at it. Do you feel that podcasting is coming overcrowded, or do you think it's the more the merrier? Uh, you know, because it seems like every time you turn around – like every day there's a dozen more that pop up that you've never seen before. Yeah, to me to me I mean podcasting podcasting has been around for a little while. Yes. But to me I still feel like it's the wild west in terms of um I don't think there's I don't think at any point there can be an oversaturation because everyone can carve out their own niche. Um and and quantity means nothing in terms of like nobody's forced to listen to all these podcasts. 
So to me, the more the <laughs> to me the more the merrier in terms of you know to to have that many options for any one given listener, I think is amazing, and I think it's so cool for me. You know, if I have an interest in like, oh, I um I'm getting back into uh, NBA basketball, let me search around, and to be like, oh, there's you know. 800 different podcasts about the NBA. Let me try out a few and see which one hits home for me, which, which those kind of do it for me. So I think that's incredible. So I I think the more the merrier. And I think it's not only, like I said, it's not only just for the listeners in terms of giving, giving them several options to choose from, but it's also wonderful for the person themselves or the persons who host as just an outlet or just, just a a creative endeavor or just something to do. Like I, I think it's, I think it's a, a fantastic thing to do. So I would encourage anyone who has an idea to start one. And I know that is, I know it's like the, the every Twitter joke is like everyone has a podcast. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I mean, I, I get that that's funny, I guess, but it's also like, if you want a podcast, do a podcast because you, you, by you doing it, you're going to bring something wholly unique to your show that nobody else is doing. So I think each person could put their own spin or fingerprint on a topic or subject and again, I, I still think it's the Wild West in terms of like the most popular podcasts are yet to come. So it's like if you have a neat idea, if you have uh, something you think would be entertaining or viable, you know, I think that's wonderful. And I, I think it's only I think this business is only going to get bigger as more people enter it and as more people turn to it for like source material. Yeah, absolutely. Because what what got me started in it, oddly enough, it, even listening to podcasts before I got into the kind of the the know of, of who's what is that um, they were advertising on ESPN, you know, being from Tennessee, we've got the Titans and yeah. this, this group did a series on the murder of Steve McNair. And that's what kind of, I was like, Oh, these are interesting. And then of course I was reluctant to start because I did have that mentality of, you know, everybody's got one, but I was like, yeah. you know what? Uh, if nobody listens, I enjoy it because I get to speak, uh, speak to really interesting people such as yourself and get knowledge, like just listening to you talk on insightful stuff. And to me, that's just a joy. Fortunately, I've, I've picked up some listeners, and I'm grateful for them all. But it's just, to me, that's that's what makes it worthwhile. It keeps me going. I get to talk to people who are who are fascinating. And everywhere, I, every after every conversation, I always gain something. Oh, that's wonderful. And 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 you just you just piqued my interest in terms of like. I completely forgot about Steve McNair, uh, Steve McNair one, <laughs> yes. and two, I forgot Steve McNair was murdered. So now I'm like, I want to listen to this podcast, right? Um, yeah. So that's the thing of like, I didn't know I wanted to listen to that show. And now that I know it exists and it's like a little miniseries, yeah. I 100% want to listen to it. Yes. So that, and, and somebody on Twitter the other day was like, I, a lot of people know I'm very much into like tiki drinks and tiki bars. Uh-huh. And somebody sent me a link to a podcast that was like the history of tiki drinks. It was some uh, – I forget the name of the podcast, but I listened to the episode and immediately subscribed to the podcast because they do, like, a deep dive into, like, the history of different food and drink. And I'm like, I never knew I wanted to listen to this, but now this is all I want to listen to. So it's funny to me of, like, with so many people having time on their hand, and it's like with podcasting, you can obviously get other stuff done, you know, as you work or as you clean or whatever else you're doing. So it doesn't demand as much as your attention as TV does. I, I, I just think it's – I think it's just such a wonderful format, and I think it's – it allows permanence for something. If you're coming from an improv background, um, when you're used to doing a live show and, and it's it's on stage for 45 minutes and then it's gone forever, with mm-hmm. podcasting, there's such a beauty to the permanence of it where it's like I did my first episode of – one of my podcasts I do is called Hello from the Magic Tavern, and I think yeah. we did our first episode in like 2015. And still daily I get emails or, or social media notifications of people who just stumbled upon that first episode and want to reach out. 
And to me, it's so cool to be like, five years ago, I spent 30 minutes in a recording studio, and I'm still getting uh, people who are enjoying that, <laughs> what I did in that room. So it's it's so beautiful and wonderful and, and, and just different than what I'm used to. So I, I yeah, very much am in love with podcasting. I encourage everyone uh, who wants to get into it to get into it. Yeah, it's so fun. I uh, I went gung-ho with it. Uh, what started me, and I'm still on it, is the Anchor app. I, I'm sure you're familiar with that. You said um, the Anchor app? Yeah. Are you familiar with Anchor? I'm not. Well, Anchor is what <laughs> I I post this on. It sounds like I'm doing a commercial. But um, Anchor is a, a free app you can get, and you can you can put your podcast on it, and they'll they'll put it everywhere for you, Apple, Spotify, all kind of stuff. Oh, very cool. That's what got me involved, but um, – like I said, I do it mainly recording off the phone. I have all of the equipment and have no idea how to use it. <laughs> that's my downfall. Like I, I've got the microphones, the, yeah. the computer, and everything. That's that's my main struggle. I mean, I don't have a problem getting the guests. I've been very blessed with that. I don't know what I'm doing. It's not like anything special. I just politely ask and you know get some good hits. But um, I'm too far gone now. I, I'm I'm in all the way. I love it, and I just want that's to learn great. and hang it from it. So. Um, That's well, wonderful. Let me, let me ask you this: um, Why be willing to share like some of your successes and your story in what seems like could potentially be like a cutthroat industry, like journalism or trying to be in a movie or something, or in a band? Yeah, to me, I don't, I don't see it like that. I mean, I, I don't think the I think the pod, podcasting industry is like the least cutthroat industry I've ever been a part of, just in terms of like. I, I think for podcasting, <laughs> the rising tide lifts all boats in terms of if someone finds a podcast they love, even if it's not yours, they're going to search out more podcasts, you know? Um, so I feel like it's, I, I feel like it, there's, there's enough room for everyone. And, and I, again, I think more and more, and this is happening across platforms in terms of TV and movie books, everything. I feel like more and more people are searching out like their niche in terms of like, Oh, I want to know about Steve McNair's murders and all murders. So I'll check out making a murderer. And I'll read this, <laughs> yeah. You know, so so I feel like there's an, there's enough to go around. And again, as long as you carve out, you know, if you carve out your niche, I think you're going to find an audience. And I yeah. think with with podcasting, the beauty as well is, you know, when I used to do just live improv, I might hear about some comedian who's going to be in town in Chicago and be like, oh, let me reach out to them and see if they'll guest in this improv show, this live improv show. And they might not respond or they would respond and be like, hey, I'm only here for one night or whatever that is. Yeah. With podcasting, due to the ease now, especially with like Zoom or Skype or anything like that and being able to record remotely, you know, Magic Tavern, we just had Jason Manzoukas on where it was just like we reached out to him and he's like, yeah, of course I'll do it, right? And then awesome. he just recorded with us. He's recording from his home. We're recording from our home. And it's just this cool thing of like I feel like everyone in the podcast community is very giving of their time and their energy and they're happy to, to – help out whomever again to try and have um to help push success right versus i i have a successful podcast so i'm not going to go on yours because i don't want to share the wealth or i'm i'm fearful of losing my audience to your show like i i haven't i have yet to see that happen and i i don't think it'll ever be a thing yeah i agree and i haven't either and that's that's very well put and then that's why i said you know potentially could be cut through and i hope it gotcha gotcha but, but um no i agree it seems like you know people are willing willing to help you out i I mean, just, uh, you know, if you – and I've learned, like, it's more at ease if you talk to somebody like they're a human being versus, like, uh, they're, you know, embellishing their, their highlights, just trying to get to know them as a person. It, it, it seems yeah. a lot more comfortable that way from what from what I've gathered in my experience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think um, people are really, like, you know, 
pe- people are willing to help you out and be on your show or whatever whatever's necessary and that only that only benefits them as well right not that they're doing it just to, <laughs> to be benefited yeah, yeah, no. I got you. But if yeah. but if you know if someone gets on my show, all we're going to do is like help promote their brand or their comedy or their other shows, right? So yeah. I think it's I think it, there's such a cross pollination that that's healthy and helpful that I that I yeah I don't ever see it becoming um, turning sour or anything. Yeah, no, I, I I like the way you put that, and I think you're right, and I hope so because it is to me. I've never. I've never felt in competition with anybody. You know, I've never had anybody come to me and go, "Hey, my podcast is better than yours. I got so many listeners this week." And yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you either say, "Hey, this is really cool. I like where you did that," or you know, like a guy like me that's kind of, you know, in the rookie stages, uh, you know, gets into your classes and is just there to learn. It, it just seems like it's a, it's a nice utopia versus what we're dealing with in the real world right now. You know. Absolutely, and, and just to, to sort of touch on what you mentioned because that inspired me to say something it's, or, or, or think a certain way is like I love the idea of you know you said you're just getting into it, but but to me this 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 um, medium or this platform is an equalizer in terms of like I know people who started a podcast out of nowhere and within a month were wildly successful. I know people who have been in the radio business and theater and uh, Hollywood and et cetera, and they start a podcast and it does fine, right? Yeah. So I think it's, and I know celebrities who have a podcast who does fine. I know people who are not celebrities at all. Nobody knows them, but they have huge success. So I think it's also cool in terms of it's a great equalizer in terms of like you don't have to put in a ton of years to find your, your footing or, or gain an audience. You don't have to be a big name or anyone at all to to – have success so to me there's such a it's it's so exciting in that way um versus like you know movies or something where it's like of course they're going to want jamie fox as a lead versus like you know uh jeff sullivan from virginia you know um (laughs) i don't know jeff sullivan but that's the first thing that popped in my head so i yeah i I just think it's it's so exciting and, and again i think it's a i think more than any other medium it's like a great equalizer yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you a story you might appreciate uh, that's concerning with mine anyway. What kind of got me, and I'm by no means uh, in, in any of these huge, and I'm not comparing myself to anybody. I'm not in a huge ballpark, but what gathered me some listeners and a little bit of uh, notoriety is I, uh, right when Tiger King was at the peak of its success, I, mm-hmm. I wrote I wrote to him, and he wrote me back. Oh wow! And that letter got me an exclusive on Entertainment Tonight. It got me in People Magazine, and it was just wow. People were saying, and like, and I'm not bragging, but people were like, "Why didn't I think of that?" And all it was is I asked him. I said, "Whatever you send me, I'm going to read it in its entirety." Yeah. Um, just how you feel about jail and what you're doing about your success, and 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 you know what what you want people to know, and people just gravitated toward that. It's just like. It was just a weird random idea, but that's kind of like what it takes. If you just find some, a common denominator that people are interested in, then you know they're gonna they're gonna kind that's, of stick with you. Yeah, that's incredible. Congrats, man. That I, I that's wild. It was crazy because I mean I mean granted everybody's doing it now, but at the time they were like, why didn't I think to do that? You know, yeah. we kind of became pen pals, but you know he's kind of starting to ease off. But I mean it, it really helped me a lot. It was just like a three and a half minute letter. Me and a couple of my friends read pages word for word. That's fantastic. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, everyone, or maybe not everyone, but I feel like a lot of people have those ideas where it's like, what if I did this? What if I reached out to that? What if I talked about this, right? And yeah. I feel like with podcasting, 
it's it's a simple enough and cheap enough platform that it allows you to just be like, well, let me just do it, right? Versus talking about it ad nauseum, let me just put you know pen to paper or mouse to mic and just finally do it, and who knows what'll happen, right? Yeah, because it's a very yeah, it's the very least, uh, and 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 I went into it like this. It's just, it's just fun. I just think it's fun. It's it's a it's Absolutely. a fun thing. I, I just turned 38 October 8th, and it is my outlet in life. It's it's what I do to keep me going. You know, <laughs> happy belated one and two. Thank that's you. yeah, that's fantastic. That's when we first started to look for the Magic Tavern. It was truly just like, let's do a podcast for us three to have a good time and like create and enjoy each other's company, and then also to make our 20 friends laugh, right? And yeah. the first few episodes, we succeeded in terms of like our 20 friends subscribed and they laughed, and we were having a great time. After that, it, we, we gained traction and gained a, a, a very big audience. But again, it, the, the origins of it and what we still try and accomplish with it is like entertain, entertain ourselves, entertain each other, and make our friends laugh. And, and if there's anything else going on, that's a huge bonus, right? But yeah, yeah I, I think it's, um, I think that's a, a great approach to have for it. Yeah. Um, speaking of your podcast, uh, how many are you currently involved in right now yourself? Um, currently, I basically have two main podcasts. So I have Hello from the Magic Tavern, and then I have Hey Riddle Riddle, which are mm-hmm. both improvised um, comedy shows. With yep. Hey Riddle, we have our sort of main feed that we release out into the world for free. And then we also have a Patreon, which is every week we record bonus content to release just for our subscribers. So there's kind of three things I'm doing, but one is um, – two of them are both under the Hey, hey Riddle Riddle umbrella. Yeah, right on. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just I, – I didn't know if you uh, – you know, I, I knew of them too. I didn't know if you were consulting with other ones as well or, 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 or anything like that, like helping – do you like – I guess the word I'm looking for, do you produce any other ones or anything like that? Do you have a hand in any anybody else's podcast currently? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've done maybe – this isn't producing, but I've probably done 80 to 100 guest spots on other shows. Wow. That's... So I'm very I'm very much happy to like <laughs> – guests on anyone's show or, you know, however they, they need me to help out. I'm happy to do that. And then yeah. too, I've done a, I've done a ton of consulting, um, maybe on like, uh, 30 to 35 shows, like either consulting or producing or, or whatever that might be giving notes, feedback. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely had, had, um, a hand in a, lot, in a lot of those shows. That's awesome. Hey man, it's cool. Uh, one more question and I appreciate it. And like I said, I can't wait to to learn from you and uh, this yeah. will be my my, my first uh, Zoom. I, I'm also clueless with that. I know I sound like a grandfather, but um, <laughs> I, I was reading your bio. It says something about the Trolls movie. Are you involved in a Trolls movie? Oh no no no! I was. Um, uh, the McElroys are are friends and they're brilliant uh, brothers and they have uh-huh. a, a whole podcasting empire. But they invited me to do a, a quick guest spot thing on um, a podcast they do where they were vying to be in a Trolls movie. Which they eventually succeeded in. They yeah. eventually were cast as voices in the Trolls um, World Tour movie. Yeah, but right I, yeah, I had just done a, a bit part in that, and and I'm such a big fan of theirs, and and uh, it was such a cool thing to do that I put it on my resume. But I was not in Trolls. <laughs> I was in, a, I was in a podcast about the Trolls movie. Okay. Well, I mean, you have a very clear and, and fantastic voice. I mean, I could see you doing voiceover, and I saw that, and it just made me think about it. So. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, well, anyway, let's uh, let's tell them one more time about this uh, comedy podcasting workshop we're having here in Nashville, and and get more people and try to get them involved. Uh, can you give us the dates one more time? Yeah. So the workshops are November seventh, fourteenth, and twenty first. Those are all Saturdays. They're going to be seven p.m. to nine p.m. Central Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be in Nashville to take them. It's on Zoom. So 
if you're anywhere in the world and you're going to be up during those hours, <laughs> yeah, yeah right take the workshop. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a three day intensive um, over three weeks, and you're going to you're going to learn from me, and I'm going to answer any questions, and I'm going to help you workshop your ideas. And you can buy tickets. I believe it's I think it's a hundred dollars for for the entire three day course. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so hundred it's a hundred dollars, and that includes all three days. It's not a hundred dollars a day. It's a hundred dollars for the whole package. Wow. Um, and I believe you can get tickets on the uh, Third Coast Improv website. So if you go there and click on workshops, you can see all the workshops available and then uh, figure out the one with, with myself, the podcasting one, with Adel Rafai. This week on the Uncharted Podcast, I was proud to have the queen of Nashville media and one of the sweetest human beings in the greater Middle Tennessee area, Miss Kelly Sutton enjoyed speaking with her. She's really nice and fun to talk to. It's got a lot of great stories. She is a hero of mine in the media industry, and I want to be just like her when I grow up. So here's that interview coming up next. A real thrill to have this young lady on the podcast, the queen of Nashville, Kelly Sutton. How are you doing? Oh my gosh, I will take that title. Thank you very much, especially if it comes with a crown. I'm <laughs> Well, we'll have to pre-order one. I don't know how long it'll take to get it here because of COVID, but we'll do something. <laughs> oh, man, I love it, Josh. Thank you. That's so sweet. Well, anyway, um, you know, I just wanted to catch up with you. Um, I, ever since I kind of like started piddling as an amateur and I don't even call it journalism, just speaking to people that I admire, you have just, you know, you're always setting the tone. And, uh, you know, I wanted to just say this right off the bat. It's a cutthroat industry, and people are stepping over people, but you've always been consistently nice to the low totem pole people like me and encouraging. And I just wanted to say, for anybody that doesn't know you outside of television, you're super sweet, and I've always been very grateful for that, so thank you. Uh, well, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Honestly, here's the thing. Like, you know, all of us are – all trying to do the best that we can every time that we're doing whatever it is, whether it's a podcast or a story or whatever. And man, I remember, I remember when I started and being completely intimidated and walking into a room with people that I was like, Oh my gosh, I had major imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. What am I doing? And, you know, I, I still remember like one of the biggest press conferences I ever covered. It was, you know, it was Garth and it was when, you know, Garth was like making a, a major announcement. I think it was that he was stepping down and I walked into this <laughs> press conference like, what am I doing here? I'm absolutely sure I don't belong here. I know everyone here knows I don't belong here. But at the end of that press conference, I had four people come up and introduce themselves to me and I've made friends with people. I'm, I, Gosh, I've got to be friends with Stormy Warren at that press conference and we've been friends for, you know, 18 years or more. It's just uh, that's that's what Nashville is all about, you know. It's it's helping each other. It's not. It is a cutthroat industry. You're right, um, but I don't think that there's room for that in Nashville. Yeah, no, I agree. I just I remember, um, you know, I, I've been a musician for the longest, and then um, of all places on Craigslist, I found a Christian entertainment website that was looking for a Nashville journalist. I guess you could call it loosely. So they gave me the position and, and got me in front of a couple of things. You know, I'm I'm green as grass, but you know, you don't go tell anybody that. Right, right. You know, I'm, like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just I just remember like you just radiated, you know, just a, a niceness about you. Like you could see people like 
you get in front of that little rope, and, and I'm a bigger guy, and everybody's, like, fighting to get a few square inches. And But you were always, you know, kind and encouraging. Even when I worked at the Williamson Source for a little spell, and, you know, you were nice to me about speaking with Kevin Bacon. You talk about being intimidated, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I'm right out of the saddle. Here I am on, on the camera talking to him and his brother. I'm like, wow, this is just surreal. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fun. I'd forgotten all about that, man. That was um, yeah, that was – I was intimidated. Are you kidding? It's Kevin yeah. Bacon. Here we are in the top of the Franklin Theater, and they're getting ready to perform a show. And, yeah, he's just standing right there. And I'm all I can think of is, like, he's dancing in Footloose, and now he's yes. standing in front of me, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, and I love those moments. I mean, at first I get jarred because I'm like, please don't let him be mean. Please let him be nice like right, you, right. you want him to be. And, and he was super, his brother was as well, and that's what yeah. makes it worth it. It was when, when you can talk to somebody and they're like the real deal, and he just, he was super. And it always sounds cool, you know, if you're at a party or something, you'd be like, hey, have you ever heard of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Well, you're two degrees away because you know me. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I remember yeah. I left that day, and I was like, I just talked to Kevin and, like, touched him. Kevin and took a picture with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, you he, was, make, he was delightful. Yeah, he was. His brother was awesome too. And yeah, you get you make sure you get that photo off with a guy like that because it's like oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you don't let that one slide. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, you know, let's let's hop into another person that I enjoy and I know you love him. I think you actually own the record for speaking with him, but the late great Charlie Daniels, you know. Oh. I, um, did you get a last interview in with him before his unfortunate uh, passing? Gosh, you know, yeah, it it totally breaks my heart, Josh, because he's one of my favorites, just above and beyond the best human, truly. Uh, he did so much for the community that people will never even know. I mean, you know, he's he's got so many charities and the um, Halfway Home Foundation that he's been a part of and helping wounded warriors and, you know, people really transitioning after they've come home from service. And um, there there was just so much about that man. He was just so sweet. And, and he's one that I had the opportunity to interview numerous times. And I was really lucky throughout my career to be able to call him a friend. I mean, he would come over and just put his arm around me, like, Kel, what are you doing? How are you? What's going on? How's that young of yours? You know, I mean, he knew me. <laughs> He knew my kid. He knew what we were doing. He was always asking about, the, you know, what was happening. And I actually, the the last interview I did with him was um, before his book came out. And um, it was just, you know, he, he said, yeah, come on over. Let's, let's talk. And so we did this great sit down and he was Charlie, you know, I mean, he just yeah. talked about what was, what was on his mind, what was on his heart at the time. And and I always tease him. I was like, hey, when am I coming out to the house? Because Miss Hazel has so many different Christmas trees. Every year he was – I think they had – oh, gosh, I can't remember if it was like 10. But it was a, a, a lot of Christmas trees, more Christmas trees <laughs> than probably any of, anybody else has. But he had like one that was a UT tree and one that was an angel tree and one that had, you know, Tennessee stuff on it that was just the state of Tennessee, not University of Tennessee. And, yeah. And and they all had these themes. And, and I kept joking. I was like, you know, I want to see these trees. And he's like, come on out. And he goes, if you come out, though, you're going to have to help me because getting all these trees up and down and all the stuff that goes on them, you know, he just. He was another one that was just one of a kind and will be so missed. I, I adored that man and, and his whole family. And he really, um, he treated everybody just so kindly. You know, to know that he was 
as big of a star as he was, he just felt like your, you know, sweet uncle that you <laughs> you get to yeah. see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's crazy, too, because you don't, like, I knew, he's Charlie Daniels, right? And you know that. But when you're around him a lot, you kind of, it's not that you forget it, but you also, he's just Charlie, you know, at that point. And there was one night we were watching TV, and I think it was, oh, gosh, I think it was Urban Cowboy with John Travolta, maybe. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so we're just watching, and all of a sudden, it's Charlie on stage. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, Charlie Daniels is in this movie? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, you know, little glimpses of that. He's He is just going to be missed so, so much. And, and I know that they're keeping his legacy alive. They're going to do volunteer jams. I actually talked to his um, tour manager about a month ago, and he said, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it in a big way, and it's going to be, you know, a tribute to Charlie. It's going to happen in 2021. I think they said February of 2021 they're going to do Volunteer Jam, and it's going to be bigger than ever. And, you know, they hope to keep it alive because the money does go to charity and to Charlie's charity. So that's that's at least a footnote that, you know, his, his legacy is definitely going to be there for some time to come. Yeah, you you just you don't you don't forget a guy like that. He just he was like you said he was he was to be the icon that he was. He treated you like a human because to his core he's just you know a regular. He's really one that was just a regular person that just happened to be he was a uh, you know larger than life as a performer. Mhm, that's yeah. exactly right. That is but, exactly yeah. right. I uh, I got to speak to him last Veterans Day and it was you know just for a few minutes, but. I still, you know, I still cherish it because, like you said, he, he he would talk to you and make you feel ten foot tall and like you're important. And they just mm-hmm. they broke the mold with old Charlie Daniels. He he will be missed. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm just lucky that you know I had a chance to be around him and and hopefully you know when you're around people like that that have been in the industry for so long, the the one thing that I love is that I can take away from watching him and the and the way that he treated people. I just hope that I can continue to treat people like that, you know, and if I can make them feel good, then I've done my job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just, you're everybody's favorite. You're, you're, uh, you're right up there. You're the, like I said, you're the queen. You, uh, <laughs> everybody, everybody seems to enjoy you. So, um, what was the next question I was going to ask you? Yeah. I've always wanted to know, and I never got to ask you, when did you know that like entertainment journalism was for you? Like when you, you came to Nashville, you just kind of took it by storm and, um, how did you know that was what you wanted to do or at least pursue? You know, it's interesting. It wasn't always. Um, when I was in high school, I grew up in southern Indiana and really close to Louisville, Kentucky. I was actually born in Louisville. So nice. I say my my joke is I'm only half Yankee because <laughs> I was born in Kentucky but raised in Indiana. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember being in high school and we went to a television station just for a field trip when I was like 16. And the minute that I set foot in that TV studio, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is it. This is what I was supposed to do. I mean, it was just like a light bulb moment. I knew immediately and just, you know, set my course like that. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do news. And I really was, you know, a news anchor for a number of years before I really came into Nashville. I did that in Evansville, Indiana. and I worked a year in Indianapolis and all these other markets, and I just thought I would be, you know, in news. And then when I came to Nashville, I started with Ralph Emery. Yep. They were doing a reboot of the Ralph Emery show on Fox 17, and they wanted a co-host. 
and they I was like a jack of all trades. So I did weather, I did news, I co-hosted the segments with Ralph, I did interviews. And of course, if anybody knows or is familiar with Ralph, Ralph was just and still is, he's still with us, just a a huge figure in country music. Um he had a number of shows on the National Network, he had Pop Goes the Country, you know, um Nashville Now, all of these amazing shows for years that really helped push forward the country genre. So there was a lot of interplay with country music, and um, that's really when things started to dip into the entertainment world. When I was, you know, on that show, it was encouraged that we would go to the Opry. And I remember he took me backstage at the Opry, like my first week here in Nashville. I'm standing backstage at the Opry. And I, I walked out. This is so great. So, you know, I grew up on country, and my dad especially is a huge country fan. And um, I was backstage, and Ricky Skaggs walked out. And Ricky Skaggs got in his minivan, and he drove <laughs> off. And I called, I called my dad. I had to, like, I had to tell him. So I left from the standing side stage, and I ran outside, and I, I got on my phone, and I said, Dad, you're not going to believe where I am. And he said, where are you? And I said, I'm backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. And he said, are you kidding me? And I said, and guess what? Ricky Skaggs drives a minivan. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, what? And I said, I know, isn't that cool? He was just like us. And it just, it it sunk into me. I just, I fell in love with everything about, you know, the, the music community. I fell in love with everything about country music and just having that insight. I mean, I was raised on it, but I didn't have the deep appreciation for it yet. Um, and so, you know, with that show came the opportunity. Taylor Swift came on our show. We were the first place that Florida Georgia Line ever did a television interview. Uh, Jason Aldean, that was the first time Jason wow. Aldean ever said butt crack on television was on my show. <laughs> um, like, it was crazy. It was crazy, you know. And, and John Mayer, John Mayer came on our show. Like, we had all of these people that were coming through Nashville that were either here or they were in town for something. And they stopped in, and I just fell in love with all of it. I fell in love with the community. I fell in love with songwriters. I fell in love with everything that Nashville is. And it was from that point on, I I, I knew that I always wanted to represent that, even if I was doing news, that entertainment was where my heart was, because it would let me be me. That was, you know, being, being a news anchor you, especially when I was anchoring the news, you weren't allowed to tell your opinion. You weren't allowed to show emotion. You were very much supposed to be middle of the road, report the facts, and that's it. And and, and you were more of a, um, I don't know, I won't, don't want to say robot, but there just wasn't a whole lot of emotion or you couldn't be yourself. And, you know, um, gosh, news gets heavy after a while. And oh, yeah. I realized it was it was changing a little bit of my, you know, of my personality. Like I'm just not a super doom and gloom, heavy kind of person. I always have been a half, you know, glass half full kind uh-huh. of person. And um, yeah, it was. I mean, entertainment's more fun. Who doesn't want to do entertainment? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I agree. So I, yeah, I was thinking about this when I was a senior in high school, and I'm not trying to date myself or yourself. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, here I was, it comes. I remember correctly, you. Which is, and I think you did a, uh, you nailed it. Uh, you were like walking us through the 9/11 attacks there on the TV. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. We launched that show on September 10th. Wow. That is crazy. (laughs) My first day on the air with the Ralph Emery Show was September 10th, 2001. And we were supposed to be the fun alternative in the morning. And then the next day was 9-11. Yeah. Because I remember it because uh, my teacher, Mr. Hankins at Franklin there, he loved Ralph Emery. And I remember, uh, I don't remember the kid name, but (laughs) one day in homeroom, the kid set up and goes, hey, did you know Shotgun Red's a puppet? (laughs) Oh, my God. And Mr. Hankins was like, you're kidding me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Did you you not know he was a puppet? (laughs) Of course. You know what's so funny? I have a bottle. (laughs) Somebody sent this to me, and I just love love the fact that there are, like, all these inside jokes that, you know, certain people don't. They know me from whatever. You know, maybe they they saw me on, you know, Channel 4. Maybe they saw me on Fox 17. Maybe they know me from one country. I don't know. Who knows where they know me from? But somebody sent me a bottle of shotgun red wine. Shotgun Red had his own wine. Yeah. He's I'm there. like, there, he was a puppet, and he had a wine. What happened yeah. here? <laughs> I, his, uh, literally, it's crazy. Yeah, and then the, the puppeteer, which is he recently passed. Um, he did, yeah. His son is a really funny guy. He, he was a pro wrestler. He, he went by Kodak. <laughs> I had no idea. Really? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he's, uh, I think he does stand-up now, and, and his name escapes me, but... I remember seeing him one day, and, like, uh, he was getting ready to warm up, you know, because I go to this wrestling event they had in Nashville, and he had a shotgun red shirt on, and I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. He's like, yeah, he's my dad. I was like, shotgun red, and he begins to explain. I was like, wow, that's that's awesome, and tells us kind of like the backstory and everything, but uh, okay. I always, always like that little character. But you also worked with another person I really like. You, as far as the uh, – Male uh, MCs of country, uh, Charlie Chase, right? <laughs> yeah. Charlie is still one of my dear friends. I love Charlie Chase. Let, let me ask you this. I know the camera adds 10 pounds and everything, but his head looks huge. Does he have a big <laughs> noggin? <laughs> I've always wondered. I mean, I have a big head, but his looks just like just like he would have to get a custom-made baseball cap. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Um maybe I don't know I don't know what like a normal size noggin would be but this is really interesting that you brought that up because I did an interview with Chuck Woolery years ago you remember Chuck Woolery and yeah was, two and two right two and yeah two. yeah two and two <laughs> so Chuck Woolery told me that he was uh I forgot what he was doing he was doing radio or something and someone came to him and said you know you really should do tv and he said, why? And they said, because you have a really big head. And people <laughs> that have large heads, like a, like physically large cranium, not like you're, yeah. you're full of yourself, but yeah. people that have a large size head always look more proportionate on television. And he said, he, he said, honestly, because my big head, that's how I got my job in TV. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that was right with Charlie or not, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> he, he is something else. He actually just called me a couple, probably five days ago, five or six days ago. So we stay in touch, and I just love him dearly. 
Yeah, I, I've you know I've seen him on TV. I haven't had the privilege of seeing him in person, but every time I look at his noggin, I'm just like, you know, it's like those uh, these new Airhead commercials when those kids eat that candy and their heads kind of blow up. I'm like, that kind of sucks. <laughs> it it is not like that. I can I can promise you, whoever yeah. has been shooting him uh, on camera obviously has gotten a bad angle because it's not like that in person. <laughs> Maybe you're looking at something that was like a bad angle years ago where they were shooting from above, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's not that big in person. <laughs> Him and uh, uh, Crook and Chase, that that big uh, '80s noggin, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so funny. Uh, yeah, he's he's super cool. But um, let me ask you this: what is your um, what is your favorite interview you've ever done? Hmm. Hmm. Let me think about this. So probably, I would say the one that. I that was most impactful to me. Um, I was pregnant. I was about seven or eight months pregnant with my daughter, and I did an interview with Dolly. Wow. And Dolly was doing a uh, promotion with Cracker Barrel. And, you know, they have the big, beautiful rocking chairs that are out in front of all the Cracker Barrels. Well, at this point, Dolly was doing a limited edition rocking chair. It's pink. And it wow. had her name on it, and it had her signature butterfly on the top. And so we were talking about, um, I believe the album may have been Backwoods Barbie at the time. And it was it was in a promotion, you know, promotion for that. You could buy it at Cracker Barrel, and you could get these limited edition rocking chairs. There were only going to be so many of them made. So I walk in, and, and I believe that was the first time I'd ever interviewed her in person. Um and immediately she's like, oh, you're going to have a baby. And I said, yes, ma'am. And so she put her hands on my tummy. And, of course, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's missing the child. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and um, she said, well, i got to give you this rocking chair then. Oh, wow. And so she signed that rocking chair to my daughter and gave it to me. And they put it in the back of my SUV. And I left. I have a, a pink rocking chair upstairs in my spare bedroom that's from wow. Dolly and it's Absolutely. autographed to my daughter. That is precious and priceless. Not not that it couldn't have a price tag, but I mean, the, the memory alone, that's amazing. That's a, yeah. awesome. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just incredible. She's just an incredible human. And then the cool thing is, like I sent her a picture of Reese when she was about one in that chair. And then when Dolly released her children's album a few years ago, they invited us to come and listen to it. And that was the first time that my daughter got to meet her in person. And um, there's a whole lot of backstory here, and I, I will spare you all the details. But uh, <laughs> Dolly's sister, Stella, came on my show years ago. And Stella said, now, what's your last name? And I said, Sutton. And she said, well, you know we're related. Ooh. And I was like, okay, do tell. And she went through the genealogy, and she said, you know, we we came from the Sutton clan that came over here. And I was like, well, you know, I did my dad's genealogy, and we compared notes. And sure enough, we came from the same guy that came here in 1758 and landed in North Carolina. And oh. part of yeah, part of that group stayed in the mountains, and they became the Partons. And the other group went on up through Kentucky and Indiana, and they became the Suttons. So, um, yeah, so anyway, I told Dolly, I said, you know, um, your sister says we're related. And she goes, oh, I don't doubt that at all. And so we laugh about it. So yeah. Reese, my daughter, has called her Aunt Dolly her whole life. 
<laughs> and when she was little, you know, you get the books from birth here in Tennessee with Dolly's Imagination Library. And yeah. when she would get the books, she would look at me and go, Aunt Dolly sent me a book. <laughs> and I said, she sure did. And I never changed it. I never, I never corrected it. So fast forward to Dolly puts out this children's album and we got to go listen to it. And she got to meet her and she ran up and hugged her. And I said, uh, just so you know, she calls you Aunt Dolly. And she said, that's fine. Come here, honey. And just hugged her and <laughs> talked to her and took pictures with her. And we left. And my daughter looked at me and she goes, Mom, she's even prettier in person. And she smells like unicorns. And I was like, she does. <laughs> she sure does. So, yeah, she's she's Aunt Dolly. One thing I, I like about Dolly, and I love that story. Thank you for sharing, is that when you see her – I don't have this gift. You have it and Dolly have it, but you you two are the type of people you can get along with anybody. That you just have this magnetism people can like flock to you. And I've always been envious of it because no matter how hard I try, there's always somebody that just wants to like cut my head off and put it on a swivel somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you you guys just have that, that it factor. I, I I mean, like I said, it's a good gift to have but you too, like I feel like you could go anywhere and just blend in with whatever crowd, no matter what the circumstance. Have you been told That's that before? Funny. Uh, well, you know, I I know I've got the gift of gab, and I I get that from my mom. I get that honest. I remember being little, and my mom, we'd be in an elevator, and my mom would made a. We could go two floors. My mom's got a new best friend because she's talking yeah. to somebody. And the funny thing is, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, mom, please stop. You know, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Sure. And and now I get it. She's just she's just a happy person and loves to talk to people. Loves to figure out what's going on with everybody's day. And I mean, you know, she's seventy six and still works. And people just wow. love her. And yeah, so yeah, that that is that's directly from my mom and and directly from her mom too. The whole side of that family is just we got the gift of gab. That's for sure. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm the most talkative of my clan. Uh, I think my grandmother, God rest her soul, I got that from her. She's the same way, just uh, yakking without taking breath. I think the secret <laughs> is while you're talking, just try to breathe out of your nose. Right, right. Yeah, we're <laughs> real good at that. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of Indiana, I, being a Tennessee boy, I moved to Indiana for a year to join a band. Have you ever heard of Huntingburg or Jasper? Oh, yeah, Jasper, for sure, yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, the the movie League of Their Own and Hard Rain was uh, recorded there. Well, anyway, I moved there to yeah, join us. I'm sorry. There is um some like a car, either car manufacturing or a big like uh, engine company that used to be right outside of Jasper, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, what my point was is that uh, when I lived there, everything was great. You know, the, the music and everything. We made a good run. But being from here, if it like sprinkles a little snow, you know, we board the house up and stay. Mm-hmm. I woke up one day and there was like. It was like right to my kneecaps, and I was like, I don't know if I can handle this. So, <laughs> you know, just uh, that's that right there just threw me for a loop. You're like, you wake up one day and it's like, wow, this is actual snow, and then you see people like going 70 miles an hour in it and all that. I'm very impressed by that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's me. Um, we the crazy thing is, you know, I grew up about it, four hours is basically where uh, Hanover is compared to Nashville, so it takes about three and a half, four hours. And it's not that far. You know, when you look at it on the map, you're like, oh, gosh, that's not that far. And 
most of the time our weather patterns are pretty similar, but there is something that happens. It's like once you cross over the Ohio Valley, once you get over, you know, the Ohio River, um, it snows, and it snows pretty good. And, yeah. like, we we get the ice here, but there's there's a significant amount of snow that happens there. And so, yeah, I've I've had the privilege of driving in that my entire life. And so, yeah, I, I am the crazy person that's here when it snows. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're fine. Let's go. I still yeah. remember um, being here right right after we moved. There was a huge snowstorm. I want to say it was 2000, no, 2001, 2002, but we got like eight inches of snow here in Nashville in one day. And I was still at the TV station, and I was the only one that knew how to drive a four-wheel drive. <laughs> so they loaded me up, and I was driving around with a photographer hanging out the window. He was like on the driver. He was the passenger side with a camera videoing everything and cars stopping and people pushing cars uphill and whatever. And then I'd drive it back and he'd drop off the footage and we'd go back out because nobody else knew how to drive a four-wheel drive. Oh, man, that is awesome. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. It comes in handy every once in a while. Sure, no doubt. Um, wanted to brag on your uh, husband, even though I don't know him, you, you post pictures and everything of him, and I know you're really proud of him. Is one of the keys, do you think, to your success is having a strong, you know, co-pilot with you? Because it seems like in this industry, you would have to have that because things I've noticed from trying to do it is that, you know, they'll, they'll message you on a Monday to let you know something's going on on a Tuesday. It just seems like oh, it's yeah. so hectic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's absolutely the key. I, I, there's no way that I could ever have done any of this without him. N not even close. I mean, truly, you know, from the very beginning, uh, we met when we were in college, and he knew this is what I wanted to do. And I got to tell you, we were in Indianapolis, and I had a good job, and he had a good job, and I was working behind the scenes at the number one station in Indianapolis. And he was working at um, IUPUI, which is Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. And, you know, we're doing good. We're doing good to be like fresh out of college. Yeah. And I got, I got a job. I, I always wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to be on camera. And that job required me taking a $14,000 pay cut, him quitting his job, both of us moving to Owensboro, Kentucky, and moving into a rental house that was like 700 square feet. Wow. He, and he was <laughs> like, yeah, we got to do it. And, and he didn't even, didn't even bat an eye. He's like, let's go. This is what we're doing. So just from the get-go, from, from the very beginning, he, he is the key to my success for sure. That's amazing. Like, I, you know, I see, I see your family and everything, and, and, and you know, you got a good-looking family, and beautiful daughter. And, I, and I've always wondered, uh, I haven't um, – I, I was just like, yeah, you've got to have that strong support. I mean, it's a, it's a two-way street, and I always wanted to know if that was the dynamic for you because it sure seems like it. No, I'm glad to know it is. That's awesome. Kudos to him. Yeah, he's been, <laughs> he's been shooting video for me since we met basically really? in fact, oh yeah for the last six months of you know quarantine being at home and working out of the house and doing all of our video from here he has shot every one of those interviews every piece of footage that you've seen it's my husband working for free behind the camera <laughs> bless him incredible yeah wow, he's getting good angles too yeah yeah, he's great yeah. at it. He's, I mean, it's been 20 years. He's pretty good at it now. <laughs> yeah, the best pro bono freelance photographer, you know, right. in a 100-mile radius. <laughs> yes. That's wild. Um, well, um, what is in store for your future? I will ask you that. What's what's next on the horizon? 
Well, I really like podcasts. So they're fun, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they really are. Um, you know, honestly, I think it's interesting. I, I look at what I really love to do, and I love to talk to people, and I love to do in-depth interviews. And of course, my heart is always with country music. Um, I really feel like that there's going to be an opportunity for me to continue to do a lot of that and maybe even do it on a little bit of a deeper level. So that's amazing. Um, I've I've owned my own company for, gosh, 16 years. I started Firefly Media years and years ago. So that's, that's been kind of huge. And, um, yeah, we're getting ready to launch some stuff that's, that's just my own. I mean, you know, the great thing about this day and age is, I can do whatever, wherever, like YouTube and podcast and, you know, blogs and all of that. It, you don't necessarily have to have an outlet to do any of that. So I'm just really tickled to see what I can do. I've had all these ideas in my head for a long time, and it's just now like, okay, well, now you got a clean slate, so now you can do whatever you want. And, yeah, there's there's some good stuff that's been cooking for a while, so yeah, I'm, I'm very on. excited. And I yeah. really hope that um, hope that I can come and tell you more soon because we're, we're really close to getting some really great stuff launched. I just can't say it yet. Sure, I understand that. <laughs> That's the best of it, the, the surprise element. But, yeah, once the world opens back up, uh, nothing but great things. And like I said, um, just keep me in mind if you ever need a uh, co-host in a pinch or something or, or whatever because it's it's one of my bucket list dreams just to, uh, you know, do that with you and, and uh, show everybody my huge head or something on a camera. <laughs> <laughs> the bigger the head, the better for TV for sure. Uh, so yeah. that's amazing. And that wraps up this week's podcast. Special thanks to my guests, Kelly Sutton, Adal Rafai, and Corey Michael. Thank you all for taking your time to speak with me. It was truly a thrill to be in your presence and to speak with you on what you've got going in your lives. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the audience, the listeners. Without you, there'd be no point in doing this. Thank you for taking the time. You could be doing anything in this big, wild world uh, that is not sanctioned by COVID. And you chose to listen to this podcast, so I want to thank you. Also, if you know anybody you think would be an awesome, interesting, interesting, sorry, I got tongue-tied, guest, have them hit me up at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. And remember, as always, I love you for you and where you're at in this point of juncture in your life. Stay safe, be kind to one another, stay healthy. Uh, let's enjoy and make the most out of what little time we have spending here on earth. And I will catch you for next week's podcast. All right, this is Josh Belcher, Uncharted, over and out. See ya.